For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Built for Paymakers podcast. I'm your host, Kelvin Hunt, editor of chopchat.com. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, first of all, I want to send thoughts and prayers to everyone affected by the hurricane down in Florida. Uh, so if you are in the midst of the storm or you have family or friends uh, in the area, uh, certainly uh, sending positive thoughts to you guys. Uh, I have some family down that way and uh, just hoping everybody makes that out OK. Um, but thank you guys for checking in. If this is your first time uh, tuning in, uh, we appreciate your support. Those of you that have been rocking with me for a while. Man, appreciate you. Um, going to talk about a lot of different things. Want to apologize uh, first of all for taking so long to uh, get this episode out. But you know, life, life, kids, job um, makes makes things tough to stay on a, a regular schedule that I that I would like to do. Um, but yeah, going to be a fun show. Going to talk about a lot of different things. Going to give a lot of thoughts. Um, so let me go ahead and thank our sponsor, uh, BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with the first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, Comet Sports, Esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today to use a mobile device. Join today and make your first sports bet uh, use your promo code Believe fifty. That's B L E A V fifty to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. But yeah, man. <clears throat> well, first of all, let me go back because I am way behind on catching up with things. Um, go back to FSU landing two huge recruits um, last week. First with uh, Blake Nicholson, and then a linebacker from uh, California, and then. Five-star wide receiver, Hiking Williams, huge gets. That puts FSU at a 50% blue chip ratio. Uh, that's the first time uh, that it's been that way for a while. Um, the highest blue chip ratio Mike Novell has signed since he's been at FSU is 37.5%. So trending in the right direction. Uh, ranked uh, number 16 overall in the composite rankings. And you got some, some other big targets out there. So depending on how the uh the the remaining schedule ends um you know we we might see some other things shake up uh there uh good news was uh, a lot of a lot of uh quality recruits saw FSU demolish Boston College um last weekend uh to go to 4 no how about that started 0 4 last year now we're 4 no man I'm this, you know, this time last year, I was seriously considering like, why did I just start this podcast? <laughs> I mean, it was hard to get motivated to come in here and talk about that team. Um, but, you know, like the team, like the program, stay with it. And, you know, a year later, here we are um, growing, uh, getting more listeners with each episode. Um, so a uh, great time to be a Florida State fan. I've got a big game coming up against Wake Forest um, on Saturday. But let me go back to uh, the Boston College game real quick. Not going to spend a whole lot of time 
on on this game. You know, if you read my ten bowl predictions uh, before the season came out, <laughs> my exact words were FSU. My prediction was FSU is going to blow the doors off of Boston College. You know, a lot of people have you know have I don't know for whatever reason have hyped hyped to Boston College under the new coach. Uh, you know, they were a, a six seven win team before he got hired. They've been nothing but a six win team. Since he's been hired, I don't see the hype, and um, I knew they had a lot of injuries on the uh, the offensive line. Should have blew them out last year. We were well on our way to do it before the referees jumped into the game, and we, of course, finished the job this year. Uh, I do want to point out all the people that were complaining about the defensive line in the Louisville game. You know, as I've been saying, guys, you cannot you cannot grade every game the same it's not that it's it's all about the matchup you can't play the same defense the same style of defense every every game it's all about you know taking um you know strengths away from teams or or trying to limit them on certain things that they want to do obviously you know they couldn't just bull rush uh like crazy against Malik Cunningham uh there against Louisville because you know he could take off and run for for days, and and you saw that a couple of times whenever uh, Jared Verse you know came like a bat out of hell off the edge one time, <laughs> and he overran the play, and Cunningham went exactly where he came from and ran for like thirty yards. Later in the game, saw the same thing from Derek McClendon. You know, came around the edge wide open, and Cunningham went right where he was, right where he came from. Big game. So they were they were rushing that way for a reason, um, you know. So everybody complaining, talking about you know they got gassed. You know, whenever you're mush rushing, you're not gonna, you know, you're gonna give up some things because you're you're um, you're not as 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 aggressive as as you normally would be, like you saw against Boston College, right? So they knew uh, Phil Jerkovich was no threat to run. So you know they came after him, and you saw the end result. So just want to point that out. Uh, everybody that was complaining about the D line, even though we were missing Fabian Lovett, even though they were missing Jared Verse, um, you know, obviously you're missing those two guys, so it's not going to be the same level of play. But I think you can look at that game and see that you know they still got out there, they dominated the line, line of scrimmage. Yes, Boston College sucks on offense, but that's what you do to a team that sucks. You dominate them, right? Um, I do want to point out. Um, offensively, I, like I said, I, I didn't think Boston College's defense was was even average. Um, I said that before the game. You know, they hadn't really played anyone. They played Rutgers, Virginia Tech. Um, I can't remember who else, but um, you know, it's not like they played really good offenses, and their their rank, you know, their numbers still were like kind of average. And so, knowing what FSU had had done in the first, you know, three games, I expected them to to put up points against Boston College as long as Jordan Travis played. And so and I can't I kinda gave a prediction. So I said if Jordan Travis plays, you know, I think I predicted something like uh forty four forty one thirteen or or something like that. Uh then I was like if uh Tate Rodemaker plays, I expected it to be a, a a little low low scoring. I think if I said something like thirty 33 to 13 or something like that. Um, but, um, man, Jordan Travis, mm, I don't, I, I don't think anybody 
anybody could predict that he would have evolved into the quarterback that he is right now. I, I don't think anybody saw the only the only people that saw this coming probably were, were Mike Neville and Jordan Travis, and I guess uh, the players that practice with him each day. I mean, when I go back and look at it, um, this might be this might be um, one of the most impressive um, player developments that that we've seen. This this might be this is this might be better than anything Jimbo Fisher's ever done. You know, everybody used to call him the quarterback whisperer. You know, got EJ Manuel drafted in the first round, Christian Ponder drafted in the first round. You know, James Winston was a five star, so I don't know how much you know Jimbo really did any developing there, but. Um, you know, Jordan Travis, three star, you know, people, you know, you know, took his confidence away, told him he couldn't throw, injured a lot, you know, endured COVID, so didn't get a lot of practice reps. Um and this, you know, basically was a scrambler, you know, could complete a pass here and there. And uh you saw, you know, I wrote about it uh this offseason. I, I talked about, you know, how good could Jordan Travis be? And um you saw it in the last three games of the of the of the season, um, where he was passing for around two hundred and fifty yards and rushing for about sixty yards a game. And you saw the biggest difference was the coaches trusted him and gave him more free reign as far as, you know, putting more offense on his shoulders. So uh earlier in the season Last year, George Travis was attempting, I think he was averaging like 18 passes per game. But we saw that number increase to low, low upper 20s, lower 30s in the final three games of the year. So uh, if you, you know, extrapolate that and say, OK, well, if they continue that this season, then he's going to be able to put up some numbers. And, you know, like against Boston College, you know, he didn't even play um, the, the whole game. And I think he was 16 of 26 and he threw for over 300, 300 yards for the first time, right? And so the biggest thing is, the most impressive thing is Jordan looks, you know, and just complete control of the offense. Everything looks like it's moving in slow motion. Whenever he does feel pressure, he doesn't automatically run. You know, he kind of moves enough in the pocket and keeps his eyes downfield to make something happen down there. And so, you know, Teams can't just say, "Okay, well, we're going to shut the run down, and he's got to beat us with his arm," because he can—he's proven he can do it. So I'm real, real curious to see how they're going to use him in the next three games. Uh, more so, more so against NC State and Clemson, because Wake Forest defense isn't very good. Because uh, we just saw uh, DJ um, Ugalele, uh light them up, so I expect Jordan Travis to do the same. But man, think about it. This that might this might be the 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 best um, player development that we've seen uh, when you look at all the quarterbacks um, at FSU over the last say decade. Nobody saw this coming, and so I'm thinking, and I'm like, man, can you know everybody? You know, everybody de- develops at a different pace, but. You know, you kind of look at it and you say, well, man, if they had the same progression with Jordan Travis, uh, what's possible with A.J. Duffy or uh, uh, the 24 uh, quarterback that's committed, uh, Luke Cromenhawk? So just something to keep an eye on. Um, 
you know, if if AJ Duffy, and like I said, you know, and AJ Duffy shouldn't have a lot of the barriers that um, Jordan Travis had. Um, you know, like I said, Jordan Travis was hurt a lot. Then he had had to endure COVID, um, and he just missed a ton of practice reps. And so it wasn't until um, I guess last year, this off season, um, the spring, summer, and the fall that he's really had. Uh, been healthy enough to to get all the reps that you would need as a starting quarterback, and I think that's really been the difference with him. It's just been healthy and getting the reps that you typically would have um, at practice. Um, otherwise, he was either um, you know splitting reps with Mackenzie Milton or injured and not practicing at all. So just something to put in your back of your mind as far as um maybe what type of progression we could expect with AJ Duffy. I don't know if it'll be that quickly, but you know, we've seen it with Jordan Travis, so you gotta think that they should be able to do something similar with um AJ Duffy. Um but um so we've been on here for about what, fifteen minutes or so. Um I wanna spend the rest of the time um talking about um this Wake Forest game. Uh, FSU right now, or last time I looked, was a touchdown betting favored at minus seven. One thing I'm noticing is the over-under points total is dropping. Um, it opened up at around 68 and 67, 68, and that number last I looked was down to 64 and a half. And so, and I saw some someone um, earlier on Twitter. They were they were wondering, like, you know, man, I'm surprised that FSU is a is a touchdown favorite. You know, I would have had this game at sixty forty or pick them. And um, so I started thinking about it, and I was like, well, if you look at it this way, it's a home game. Yeah, you may not have the crowd that you t- you you would have had uh, because of the hurricane, but you know, it's still you're still playing in your home stadium, and when you look at the teams comparing them to one another, FSU has the more complete team. You know, they have an offense that can put up points just like Wake Forest can. Their defense is better. And right now, aside from field goal kicking, you know, FSU special teams are, are playing at, at an elite level. And then when you look at the overall talent on the roster, FSU has the more more talented um, roster overall. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I predicted that, you know, FSU would, would beat Wake Forest with Sam Harton, without him, whatever. Um, and when I look at this game, I, I, I tweeted it yesterday. I went back and looked at the game from last year and, you know, it was funny. Dave Clawson said he, um, the team he sees on tape this year is totally different than the team he saw last year. And he is absolutely correct. I mean, from just the personnel, I mean, that's that's the one of the big parts, the personnel. Um, and I talked about it um, on the piece that I wrote on Chop Chat uh, I posted today, early this morning. When you look at it, you know, we had, it was, the game was played, it was the what, third game of the year. FSU was still splitting time. Um, I mean, Mackenzie Milton played the majority of that game. Jordan Travis only threw, like, seven passes. I think he was six of seven or five of six or four, a hundred yards and two touchdowns. He did throw an interception, but it was a Hail Mary before halftime. Um, so they were still doing the two dumb qu- quarterback system thing. 
on offense and they turned the ball over six times in that game. So that's, you know, abnormal. Uh, Wake Forest got a couple of uh, gratuitous flags uh, running into the kicker, uh, a BS um, tackle out of bounds, even though the guy was still in bounds. And both of those um, were opportunities that FSU was getting ready to get the ball back. Not that they were going to do anything offensively with it. They probably were not, but it still gave Wake Forest new life uh, whenever they were going to be punting otherwise. Right. So when you look at it that way, um, so offensively, you know, that team was, you know, just didn't have it as far as you know, quarterback play, as far as the offensive line, as far as no, no threat uh, at wide out. And, you know, when you ask yourself, well, can you say that now? Absolutely not. You know, Jordan Travis is playing and he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, the offensive line, even though it's beat up, is still a better version of itself than it was um, last year in that game. Running backs are, are really good. And, of course, the wideouts are playing at a, at a, at a really high level. So offensively, um, this is a game that FSU can match Wake Forest offensively because, again, Wake Forest, their defense isn't very good, right? So the biggest difference, though, I think in this game is going to be FSU defensively. Yeah, you know, they could be without Lovett again. You know, they could be without Verse. And those are two very important players. And, you know, I definitely would feel better if those guys were playing. I don't, I don't know what the status is right now, but I think it's suspected that Lovett probably will not play. Um, I'm not sure about Verse. But um, I think uh, one of the biggest differences is a linebacker. Um, last year, you had Kalen Deloach, who at, at that time um, was not playing at the level that he was at the end of the year, right? Then you still have DJ Lundy that was out there. Um, you know, he was 20, 30 pounds heavier at that time than he is now. You had Amari Gaynor out there. And Amari, I love Amari, but Amari, uh, he's only good at, a, you know, if he knows exactly where the ball is, you know, he can make a play. But when you're asking him to react and do different things, he's just a liability out there in space um, and, and hitting the wrong gap and all different types of things like that. Um, so linebacker play between Tatum Bethune and Kalen DeLoach is going to be a massive upgrade compared to what we had last year in that game. Also in that game in the secondary, we had Jerry and Jones, who was injured, playing starting at cornerback. We had Jarvis Brownlee starting at cornerback, and we know both of those guys are not any good in coverage whatsoever, and they both got burnt repeatedly in the game. Uh, it was also uh, the game before Jamie Robinson moved from the nickel spot to the safety spot, um, and then Sidney Williams was playing safety um, last year. So this year, You'll have an upgrade uh, from Jarvis Brownlee and Renato Green. Um, it looks like Amarion Cooper is healthy. Mike Mike Novell said he he's healthy and he expects him to be you know at or near one hundred percent from here on out. So he should be on the field instead of Jerry and Jones. A massive upgrade there. Jamie Robinson at safety. Akeem Dennett at safety. Those are two of the better safety tandems in the ACC. And so when you look at what Wake Forest like to do, obviously they got the slow mesh concept and all that good stuff, but 
they depend heavily, heavily on their wide receivers to make uh, win one-on-one battles. It's really is it's kind of similar. I mean, obviously Miami last year with uh, Lashley, they didn't have the slow mesh concept, but um, Tyler Van Dyke depended heavily on uh, his receivers to win a lot of uh, 50-50 balls. He would just throw it up sometimes, and those guys would go make a play. And you saw that that didn't particularly work against FSU last year. Um, and part of that was because Miami wasn't able to run the ball. And, again, Wake Forest uh, is not great at running the ball. Um, I mean, dang, Liberty held them to uh, fewer than 50 rushing yards. And they didn't run it well against Clemson. Uh, the biggest difference in the Clemson game was uh, Clemson had the guys out in the secondary that um, were out there because some other guys were injured. Um, and we saw that Wake Forest took advantage of those matchups. And um, I don't expect FSU – obviously, look, Wake Forest is going to make some plays. Sam Hartman is a good quarterback. Um, they've been in the system for a long time. Um, the receivers are juniors and sophomores, I think, and they distribute the ball well. They have three or four guys that have double-digit receptions already. So they're going to make plays. But I think, you know, between the 20s, I think they're going to make plays. But uh, as long as FSU can prevent the explosive plays. So like last year, um, Jerry and Jones got, got beat for a 49-yard touchdown. Like, you can't allow those to happen. FSU has done really well at preventing the explosive plays um, thus far through four games, um, playing the the two high look. Um, So if they can prevent those long explosive touchdown plays and force Wake Forest to uh, execute down the field, and it's kind of the same philosophy they've had in each game for the most part, you know, Get get into the red zone and make them execute in the red zone. So, um, you know, when the field is is condensed, you know that that um, that slow mesh is not going to be as effective. And then, you know, he's likely not going to have enough time to to wait, 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 wait before somebody comes open. So, the key to it, and um, you'll so you're getting a bonus here. Um, if you go to Chop Chat in the morning, you'll see um, I've written um, three defensive keys to beating or defeating Wake Forest. And uh, one of the first things that I mention is, uh, let me pull it up here. One of the first things I mention is, um, if it comes up, there we go. Uh, Hold on. This is not coming up right. Yeah, so uh, missed tackles. Uh, last year's game, FSU missed a ton of tackles. Uh, they missed tackles on Sam Hartman running. They missed tackles on running backs at the line of scrimmage. I mean, there was at least two or three I saw with Amari Gaynor. I mean, if he would have made a tackle, the running back would have been down at the line of scrimmage. But instead of making the tackle, he missed the tackle. And the running back ran for another eight or nine yards. You can't, you know, you can't allow that to happen. Um, another one is um, FSU has to hold Wake Forest to field goals in the red zone. Um, we saw Liberty have some success 
Um, uh, they were in the red zone seven times and they forced three field goals. Uh, and Wake Forest won that game by one point. Liberty went for two and didn't convert. Otherwise, they would have beat Wake Forest. Um, and I think I think FSU has has the capability of, of of limiting Wake Forest in the red zone if they can hold Wake Forest if if they can force them to kick two field goals or more I think FSU wins this game right um, so prevent Wake Forest from scoring touchdowns in the red zone but before that obviously prevent the explosive plays for touchdown like they had last year. And then obviously missed tackles, as I mentioned, you, you, you're going to have to tackle better. Uh, Wake Forest uh, between Hartman running every now and then, he's not Jordan Travis with it, but he can, he can get loose sometimes, especially on third down. If it's like third and five, Oh, he will pull it and run it and, and he'll sacrifice his body to get the first down. So uh, in those situations, if you get an opportunity to hit him, you got to crack him. And look, they cracked him one time last year. Dennis Briggs and I think it might have been Gaynor cracked him last year, and he popped right up. So the guy's tough, right? Um, but you gotta you gotta make those tackles. Um, a lot of times, Wake Forest instead of running the ball, they go to a lot of quick game um, passing. Um, it's like an extension of the run, and they'll look to isolate a guy in the flats and. A lot of times it'll come down to um, when the wide receiver makes a catch, the D, the DB will be there and either he'll make a tackle or he won't. If the tackle isn't made, guess what? Uh, Wake Forest wide receivers, are, wide receivers are running for like another 10 to 15 yards off top. Uh, so that's how they spread you out. So if you make those tackle tackles, you're going to limit Wake Forest offensively. Um, You know, so – you know, and I think, and I think, you know, FSU is capable between you know, the upgrades you have a linebacker and, and what you have in the secondary, especially if Amarian Cooper is as healthy as we think he is by now. You know, he, he played a lot better in the Boston College game, right? Um, but then, I think one of the uh, the most important things, though, is is like I said, Wake Forest is going to challenge you down the field to to win to win those one-on-one battles. And so FSU defensive backs, you're going to have to win the majority of those one-on-one battles. Um you can't be out there like Clemson um you know getting beat for one or you know getting penalty flags thrown all over the place because you know, you're grabbing and holding and, and all that good stuff. And look, and, and Wake Forest is going to play to that. You know, that's I, I, I almost believe they teach some of that um, where, where Hartman would just throw the ball up and sometimes he'll like underthrow it a little bit, almost like either the wide receiver will, will, will have an opportunity to make the play or because the ball is underthrown, the, the defensive back will run into the, the Wake Forest wide receiver and then, of course, they'll throw a penalty flag. So just 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 pay attention to that in the game because I've seen that happen I don't know how many times uh with Wake Forest uh on offense. So keys to it. Uh limit them in the red zone, force field goals, force two or more field goals, uh make tackles. You cannot miss tackles, especially in the running game. Um or when they're when they're out in space. 
and then ultimately it's going to come down to uh, FSU def- defensive backs making plays um, in one-on-one situations. Uh, Mike Novell talks about FSU offense being built for playmakers and, and putting those playmakers in positions to win those one-on-one battles. Well, it's the, it's the reverse of that. Uh, FSU def- defensive players have to win these one-on-one battles. And, um, and I think, I think they can, um, I think the one, I think the defense is better than it was last year, but I think, uh, one thing that makes me confident in this game is knowing that FSU can score this year. Um, we saw that so many times last year where the FSU defense played well, uh, in, in a lot of different games, but they lost because the FSU offense offered absolutely nothing. You know, I, I think FSU beats NC State last year if they had uh, you know, any semblance of, of a pulse offensively. Um, and again, Wake Forest isn't great defensively. So, you know, FSU been able to score, you know, they can run the ball, they can throw the ball. And they haven't even opened up the offense with Joe and Travis's legs. And I don't I don't think they'll have to in this game. Um, I mean, we saw um, Clemson wide receivers running wild, running wild out there against Wake Forest. Um, she, FSU's offense last year only ran 51 plays, but they averaged 6.2 yards per play last year. And that was with, again, you know, that was with no wide receivers, really, a poor offensive line, and Mackenzie Milton and Jordan Travis splitting reps at quarterback. Um, like I said, the biggest difference in the game was, I mean, dang, they turned the ball over six times and, um, you know, you're not going to beat anybody when you turn the ball over that often. Um, so yeah, you know, Hartman's really good. The wide receivers are, are good. Um, they do the slow mesh thing. Um, and a lot, I know a lot of people are, are saying they wish that, um, you know, Jared first was in this game and I, and I do too. But when I go back and look at last year's game, you know, Jermaine Johnson had, like 10 total tackles. I think he had like five or six solo tackles, but he didn't have any sacks. And, and he really didn't, he really wasn't a factor much in as far as like blowing that mesh point up. And so I'm curious and I'm curious, you know, to how effective any of the, uh, the defensive ends will be uh, in blowing that mesh up. Um, And I don't even know if you have to have to have it from the defensive ends, you know, it could come from the linebackers. Uh, depending on what Adam Fuller decides to do, um, but you have to be careful with that because if you if you bring your linebackers downhill really quickly, and Hartman reads it, then you know he could hit you right over the middle for a big gain. And uh, we saw that a little bit last year too. Uh, Brownlee and and Jerry and Jones got got torched uh, on little slant routes uh, for like eight or ten, twelve yards uh, a few times last year. So uh, at points, it's you know it's kind of like pick your poison, but again. I think the smart philosophy is, um, like I said, you know, they can, they're going to move it between the twenties, but whenever you, whenever you get on that condensed field, that's when you really got to lock in, um, and, and force them to, to, to kick a field goal, um, or get a turnover on downs because that's another aspect of this offense is different than most is Clawson will go forward on fourth down, uh, more than most. Um, especially if it's like fourth and two, fourth and one, um, and things like that. So, um, but yeah, I feel, I feel, I feel confident about the game. Um, like I said, I picked FSU to, to beat, um, 
Wake Forest before the preseason. Uh, I picked, I said, 38-27. And that is pretty much, you know, and I, I put that score out there before um, the, the point total came out or, or got bet down to what it is now. So, like I said, right now it's like 64 and a half, and that's right there on the um, – in the the point total, and so basically that means the FSU is going to be more efficient in the red zone than than Wake Forest, and that's kind of kind of what I'm making on in this game. And um, man, if if FSU wins this game and and they go five and zero, and they're going to be in my neck of the woods next week, uh, coming up to NC State to play the Wolfpack. Um, man, five and zero. Um, I know a lot of people were really high on NC State. I'm not one of them. I've been saying it since last year that I'm not impressed with them offensively. Devin Leary is a good quarterback. He's not great. You know, they they try to kill you with, a, you know, death by a thousand cuts. Defensively, they're a good team, but they don't scare me like that, especially not with the how FSU's been playing offensively through the first four games. So, Man, big big opportunity here. Big opportunity to go to five and zero with um, I don't even know who NC State plays this week, but um, probably oh they play Clemson. That's right. So um, so you get to um, to play play them just like with Wake Forest coming off of um, the Clemson game. So they should be beat up physically. I know a lot of people are putting a lot of stock into uh, Wake Forest losing that game in double overtime. I'm not a subscriber to that mentality. Wake Forest is a is a veteran team, and you know I don't think they're going to allow a loss to Clemson in overtime to affect them this week, um, especially because Clemson's beatable, and they know if they keep winning and Clemson loses a game or two that they will, you know, they could potentially be in the driver's seat again, even though they lost to Clemson. So I don't buy into these, um, you know, the, the whole, you know, they're mentally fragile or anything like that. You know, th- those guys, they've been around for a long time, um, but they probably are still feeling some of the effects of that game physically. So um, they're going to have a physical game on Saturday. Um, and I hope that um, FSU comes out with the, the same mentality that they had, Last week, to come out and dominate again, I you know I don't I don't expect the crowd to be what it was last year with the hurricane and all that good stuff. But those of you that plan to go to the game, um, hopefully uh, you'll have safe travels, and hopefully um, you guys can represent us Knowles um, like I know you will. Um, you know they'll they'll need it, and um, those guys t- send you know they they tend to feed off the energy it seems, and. Um, if FSU can get up 14 to nothing like they did, uh, like Clemson did against um, Wake Forest last week, then I, I don't know. I, I think I think FSU has enough firepower to where if they get a two touchdown lead, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a long day for for Wake Forest, and they'll start pressing, and it could it could turn into a, a double digit win, um, you know. But you know, they got they got to get off to a good start. And um, I would love to see Norvell go out there and um, win the toss, defer it, get a stop on defense, um, score on offense, and then it's on. So, uh, but yeah, those are my thoughts on um, uh, the Wake Forest game. Like I said, just wanted to touch on uh, the Boston College game that kind of went pretty much how I thought it would. 
um, recruiting. Um, one thing in recruiting I'm interested to see is what they decide to do at quarterback. Um, so um, if they if they make a move on someone, especially if they win the next game or two, um, you'll probably see them, um, you know, maybe start reaching out to some guys. You might hear some more chatter. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But, you know, right now FSU is um, on top of the world. They can they can keep it there if they, um, you know, take care of business against Wake Forest on Saturday afternoon. So um, I'm going to go ahead and end it there. Um, but again, I appreciate you guys tuning in and showing your patience and support for uh, the podcast. Um, we're sitting at 46 five-star ratings on the Apple platform. Uh, that's the one I, I checked last. And uh, I would love to see us get to, um, I love round numbers. If we can get us to 50, and um, I would certainly appreciate it if you have if you have um, rated the, the podcast early, um, you can rate again, I think. So um, if you won't mind doing that, I would appreciate it. Uh, those of you that are bettors, make sure you bet responsibly, but um, choose to go to betonline.ag to um, support the site. But um, until then, um, go nose and um, we'll see how it all shakes out on Saturday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.